What is up, everybody? My name is Matt Cordova. I'm the senior pastor here at The River, and we are excited that you are listening to our podcast. Now, before the message starts, there's three things that we would love for you to do. One, we would love for you to share it. Two, we would love for you to subscribe. And three, we would love for you to go and rate it. So the message is about to begin. I hope it encourages you, and I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. series. We're going to be in it for three weeks, but the the book of Daniel has been on my heart for some time, right? So we're going to be diving into, we're going to look at really actually three really familiar stories. Uh, These are stories that I think we tell our kids about, but I think there's some stories like that we need to look at as adults and go back to the basics and remember that there are some things that God has called us to. You know what I mean? So in this, we're actually going to look at what it looks like to live in a culture that doesn't look like God But two, we're going to see how God moves in such cultures. So if you've got a Bible, open it up to Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. Let me fill you in on really the the background of the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel takes place during what is known as the Babylonian exile. Now, this is what happens. It's a consistent theme throughout the Bible. Um, Oftentimes, the Israelites will worship false gods, and God will hand them over. To that nation. It's like, listen, if you want to serve somebody else, this <laughs> America's got to pay attention to this. Like, if you want to serve somebody else, I'm just going to step back and let you see if that's really where you want to go. So Babylon comes, they take over Israel, they destroy the temple, they take things from God's temple. And then the king puts out a decree or, or tells his chief eunuch, he says, hey, I, I want you to bring some people from the royal family. And this is what they have to do. They have to have these requirements. One, they can't have any physical defects. Two, they got to be good looking, right? Some of us make that list. Holler at your boy. You know what I mean? Three, they got to be smart. And four, they got to be able to serve the king, right? So they didn't just take anybody. They took really the elite of the nation of Israel, and they take them into the Babylonian exile. And what we know from the book of Daniel is there's four very specific names mentioned. There's Daniel. There's uh, Hazariah, or Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay, so four very important names. Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. This is what it says. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of the time that the king had said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to attend the king. In every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. Here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk to you about uh, from the place that it can work. Everybody turn your neighbor and say, it can work. It can work. It can work. Let's pray. So dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for today. God, I thank you that we can gather. God, and I think that, thank you that we can, man, just feel your presence and that we can remember everything that you've done for us. God, move our feet. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. It, it can work. I'm going to take some time this morning and really brag on my team a little bit. We have such an amazing staff. Uh, what's really interesting about our staff is like you know, this Thursday, I was at a, a conference, and it, uh, we're going to dive into that here in a little bit. The conference was about leading the church through the age of misinformation and conspiracy theories. <laughs> 
yeah, that was interesting. Anyways, but we're, we're at this conference and I get to meet other pastors and we kind of talk about like the average age of our staff and all that. Like we have a super young staff. You know what I mean? Like we're, you're, I'm only 32 and I'm like in the middle. You know what I mean? Like we got a super young staff and because we've got a super young staff, I think we have a bunch of dreamers on our team. What I mean is they're not, they're not stuck with what was, but they're asking the question like what could be? But listen, as the church, when we stop dreaming, we stop moving. Have we stopped dreaming? Has, has church been sitting in pews and going through the motions? Or do we walk into scenarios, walk into our workplace and say, man, what, would, what can God do through me today? What if I have this conversation with this guy that just smells different, talks different, doesn't look like me, doesn't think like me? You want me to tell you what I think can happen? I think God can, move, can use you. It can work. So, like, thinking about our team, you know, Tanner Mitchell's the head of our tech team. And uh, there's a funny statement when it goes, uh, it w- that involves tech. And it's like, nobody really knows what tech does until something goes wrong, right? You know what I mean? That's kind of the, the motto behind tech. But realistically, tech does a whole bunch of things. Tanner is, does, he's the man. He's the bomb. You know what I mean? When you look at, think pre-pandemic, which was only three years ago, realistically, when you think about where we were technologically from the pandemic to where we are now, all of that comes because Tanner's like, man, I I can tell when Tanner's got free time because my phone blows up. Like, he's got idea after idea after idea after idea, but because of his ideas and his consistency and willing to stand behind what God has put in on his heart, we've gotten to where we are. Online family, you get to see the, the, be a part of our church the way that you do because of the dreams inside of Tanner's heart, because they're not just ideas. There's, there's something that he gets in his heart and he's like, you know what? Listen, if we do this, it can work. If I turn neighbor and say, it can work. Ashley Montgomery, Ashley Montgomery is our social media manager. Uh, she also leads our encounter team. But when we went into the pandemic, we're like, you know what, listen, we can, instead of launching a, another physical campus, you know, and us being online, what if we do an online campus? And, and her heart lit up inside of that. And, and now when you're watching online, listen, you're not talking to a robot, you're talking to an actual person. And if she's not there, she's got a team that communicates. And the whole reason behind that is making you feel like you're seen, like you're noticed, like you belong. This sounds a whole lot like our purpose, right? It's because inside of her, she's like, let's, let's just not showcase or put it online. Let's make people feel like they're actually here. It can work. Return neighbor say it can work. Tori is our outreach pastor. Listen, she is a giant think tank. <laughs> she's like Tanner. I can tell when she's got some free time at work, too, because my phone is blown up with idea after idea after idea. She oversees the nurseries. If you've been to our nurseries, they look amazing. Right? And she's got a vision for them. Our nursery is not just about sitting there with children. It's about praying with them. It's about teaching them the word. Even at a young age, they're getting the word of God in their heart. Why? Because we believe that if we can speak into them, that the Holy Spirit can move in them, it can work. You know what I mean? How many of you understand your kids don't have a junior Holy Spirit? (laughs) The same spirit inside of you is inside of them. Which means that if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed to move mountains, so do they. And sometimes the mountains that are moving in your life are coming off the backs of your kids' prayers, not yours. Why? Because we have people that believe in our kids. Last year, we had this idea. Tori had been meeting with Coach Coffee, And well, really, our goal as a church is not to take up a block in our community. 
right? It's to make a difference in our community. So she goes and she goes and meets with Coach Coffee and she's like, hey, how can we help you? And he's like, man, well, we really need the alleys cleaned. We just don't have the manpower. We don't have the time. We don't have to do this. So she comes and she's like, Matt, what if we clean the alleys? And then we're sitting down one day. She's like, hey, what if we invite the other churches? So we go and we sit down with Josh Light and we go and sit down with the other churches and they're like, yes, we're in, right? Oh, did you know that since Impact Weekend, we've had like four community events with the other churches? Because in somebody's heart, they said it can work. They didn't. The difference between a goal and a dream is one has a timeline. We've got a lot of people that just sit there and dream and wonder what if. Why wonder what if? Why not step on it and see if it comes true? If you're a business owner, guess what your business was? It was once a dream. And it was something that you didn't give up on. And it was something that you said, listen, if I do this, it could work. You are where you are because you stepped into the fact that your dream was something that God planted inside of your heart and said, it can work. I had a conversation uh, the other day. Um, I, was, I did a funeral one time at the, at the Church of Christ, and uh, a buddy of mine came up to me after the gravesite. He goes, hey, Matt, do you realize you just did a funeral at the Church of Christ? I was like, yeah, I was waiting for the worship team to come out. They never did. So I'm just kidding. That never happened. Um, uh, it was a joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, truth is, I went to LCU and for four years waited for the worship team to come out. Guess what never happened? But they have a band. Anyways, that's besides the point. He comes and he goes, hey, do you realize that you did uh, a, a funeral at the Church of Christ? I was like, yeah, it's been cool because, you know, like all of our pastors have kind of been serving and doing funerals at each other's churches and, and this kind of thing. He goes, do you remember what you told me when you were a youth pastor? I was like, no, bro, that was a long time ago. I'm like... It was a long time ago. He said, you came up to me. We were at the city pool, and we were talking, and you told me that you were going to do something to unify all the churches, and I, and, and I laughed in your face. I said, it wouldn't work. There's too much tension. There's too much competition. It's just not going to happen, Panadol. He said, I smirked at him and said, we'll see. <laughs> that same evening as that funeral or that weekend of that funeral, we had our, uh, our second community prayer night. You know what I mean? And I'm not doing that to, to brag on me. I'm saying that if we would actually step on our convictions and stand on our faith, we would see that the Bible actually works. That the kingdom of God actually works. You know what I mean? Today's text, when we look at the story, it's not exactly all rainbows and sunshines. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes following Jesus isn't all rainbows and sunshines. You know what I mean? There's a time in our history where it was like, man, if you have enough faith, you'll never be sick. If you have enough faith, you'll have a lot of money. Look at the life of Paul. <laughs> look, at, look at Peter. One disciple was the, was the only, there was only one disciple that died from long age or long days. You know what I mean? Sometimes following Jesus isn't all sunshines and rainbows, but it's always worth it. You know, so in the book of Daniel, it's not rainbows and sunshines. These guys have just had their homes destroyed. And then beyond that, the place where they worship has been destroyed. They've taken articles from this place, uh, from the temple. And then they're taken away to this, this far-off land that doesn't look anything like what they believe. Right? They're, they're taken into exile, and then even worse than that, even worse than having your, your home destroyed, the place where you worship destroyed, things stolen from the place that you worship, their belief and their culture are going to try to be stripped from them. 
In fact, this is what happens. Over the next three years, the chief eunuch who was told to take these guys in is supposed to teach them everything about the Babylonians. Over the next three years, he's supposed to teach them about their culture, right? You're going to know about our gods. You're going to know how we study astronomy. You're going to know our literature. You're going to know how we believe. You're going to know how to speak what we speak. And even worse, they're going to change their names. Now, if you look at Jewish history, a lot of times names were a reflection of the God that you served or an experience that you had with God. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and what they're going to do is change their names so all of their names either reference uh, Yahweh or they reference uh, Jehovah, right? Or, or Elohim. Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim. All of those are God's names, right? All of their names have a reference to that. They're going to strip all of their names. Y'all have heard the name Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Let me show you what they did for Daniel. Daniel's name is God is my judge. The L is Elohim at the end. Right? God is my judge. They change his name to Belshazzar, which means Bel, protect him. So I once had a name that reflected my God and pointed me to him. And because this, this empire has come and taken us over, I now have lost that and been given a new name. And, and that's what is going to be spoke over me for the next three years. You know, you know what's interesting? You want to know how to change somebody's life? continually speak lies over them or continually speak truth over them. You know what I mean? Eventually you start moving in the direction of what you consistently hear. You know, if, if you continue to hear what God says about you, sometimes that's what pulls you out of the pit. But sometimes what takes us into the pit is buying into the lies that we've told ourselves or that we've let other people tell ourselves. Listen, sometimes to walk out of the pit, you got to give God the loudest voice and not your peers. You know what I mean? So these guys, they're stuck in a culture that doesn't reflect God and it doesn't reflect their beliefs. Does this sound familiar? Sounds like where we are today. You want to know if the Old Testament's relevant? The answer is yes. Jesus thought so too, by the way. Anyways, so how do you respond how do you respond when you live in a culture that doesn't value what you value, right? That's the question we're going to go after. How do you respond in a culture that doesn't value what you value? So here's what's going to happen. The, king, the chief eunuch, he's teaching them all this stuff, and then he tells, uh, the king tells the chief eunuch to give them the king's meat and the king's wine. Verse 8, this is where we're going to pick up. It says, Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the, with the wine he drank. So we ask permission from the chief eunuch, Right? not to defile himself. And God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Now, this is interesting. So how do you respond to a culture that doesn't value what you value or believe what you believe? Well, Warren, Daniel shows us that you've got to have determination to not give up your convictions, right? He says he was determined not to defile himself. He was determined not to give in to their practices, what does determination mean? It is a firmness of purpose. It is a resoluteness. It's this mindset like that no matter what is coming, this is what I'm going to do. So no matter whatever the Babylon culture was going to throw at him, he was determined not to lay down God, not to lay down God's laws or his belief systems. Church, can I be real honest with you? None of y'all thought you gave me permission. I'm doing it anyways. 
When you look at how we responded to COVID and the presidential election, did we defile ourselves? Ooh, it's quiet. Did, did we lay down our convictions to serve God more than anything else? Did we lay down our convictions to pursue his kingdom more than the nation of the United States? You, you know what's coming up next year? Another election. You know what else that means? More misinformation, more conspiracy theories. All of it is lies. The truth is there's nobody telling you the truth. The other truth is, is we have a truth that's endured for over 2,000 years, and it's in our pockets, and it's in our books, it's in our libraries, and it's called the Bible. If you want something firm to stand on, stand on something that's been around and has endured the test of time. You know what I mean? The biggest opposition, ooh. In the next couple years, the biggest opposition to the kingdom moving is going to be nationalism. What does that mean? Your worship of our country over the king of kings. The difference between patriotism and nationalism, I heard this guy say this at this conference. The difference between patriotism and nationalism is patriotism is I love my country. Nationalism is I worship my country. And here's the truth. There's not a Bible verse that says that God has a redempt, like this master plan for the United States. We're not Israel. You want me to tell you how God chose to bless the United States? The same way he chose to bless the nations around Israel. They just failed to do it. He told Israel, you will be a blessing to many nations. After Jesus died, resurrected, and was seated at the right hand of the Father, that now comes through the church. The only reason the United States is blessed is because the church becomes the blessings to the nations. It means that we don't lay... It, oh, listen, I love being American. But the truth is... Bradley may not get to walk in the freedoms that I do. Juju may not get to walk in the freedoms that I do. We may never have another Republican president, but that's okay because Jesus is the King of Kings and I live in an unshakable kingdom. I represent an unshakable kingdom and my allegiance is first and foremost to that kingdom and it is my nation. That's where Daniel is. Daniel's like, listen, I don't care what you throw at me. I'm not giving up what I believe. I'm not giving up on the God who set us free from Egypt. It's the most quoted story in the Old Testament. Remember the God who set you free from Egypt, how he was with you, how he was for you, right? He said, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to give up my convictions. I'm standing firm on the fact that I serve the one true God, and he is with us, and he is for us. That statement is still true today. We serve the one true God that is with us and that is for us. There is only one Savior of the world. It's not Trump. It's not Elon Musk. It's not Joe Biden. It is Jesus. Every one of those names that I, that I mention, their time will end here. Our Savior's still alive. He's still alive. So Daniel was resolute. He said, listen, I'm not giving up my, my king. I'm not giving up the fact that I believe in the king of kings. I'm not giving up on the fact that God is with us. So, so how, how does he keep God first? How did he not defile himself, right? I think that's the question. The temptation is going to be there next year. Campaigning is already going to start, right? 
It's going to be there seven years when the next presidential election happens. You know what I mean? This isn't going to be anything new. We're more divided as a nation than we've ever been. True statement, right? You want me to tell you why the church is the hope of the world? Because of the finished work of the cross, we're called to be united. The church actually has the answer to the division in our country. And it's not around a flag, it's around Jesus. (laughs) That's it. It's Jesus. Right? So so how how does... How does Daniel decide, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah decide not to defile themselves? Well, first, they do it by not taking the king's food and wine. So here's the question. Why would that defile them? Well, one, ceremonially, it would have defiled them because they ate horse flesh and pork, right? They didn't get bacon, right? To them, those were ceremonially unclean animals. So they couldn't eat that because it would have defiled them ceremonially. Morally, they didn't, defile, uh, they didn't eat that stuff because it was dedicated to other gods. Remember, we've talked about the other gods in our country. Nationalism is one of them. Money's another. But they're like, he's like, listen, I'm, I'm going to stay true. I'm not going to, I'm going to stick to what I know. I'm going to stick to what I believe. I'm going to stick to who's been there for us and who's always had our back. The next thing he does is he goes and he asks his superior for permission not to defile himself. Notice, he didn't start an uproar. He didn't start a Twitter battle or a Facebook thing. You know what I mean? He went in cordially, like, had a, a, a just asked them, he said, listen, can we not defile, like, allow us to not defile ourselves? That's how, that's how he did it. Will you allow us not to, it probably looked different than what they were expecting. You know what I mean? Babylon's an empire. They've probably taken over many countries right now. And I'm sure that when people that they've taken over didn't believe what they believe, they didn't do it nicely. But Daniel and them, they asked not to defile. And and here's what you got to understand. Sometimes choosing not to defile yourself is a huge risk. It is. The the, the beauty of risk is risk. When there's risk involved, so the faith is required. You mean if I'm taking a risk, then I have to trust God to get to the other side. So, so what's the risk that they take? Well, listen, they're supposed to be forgetting their culture. And when he asked them if he could not defile himself, he's, tell, he's telling the chief eunuch that I'm still holding on to it. The other thing is him asking not to defile himself is direct disobedience to the king. In some cultures, that's straight death. You know, everybody say, but God moved. But God moved. Because see, what? despite all that's going on, even though they're in direct disobedience to the king, even though they're not giving in to the Babylonian ways, it says that God granted him compassion and loyal love in the heart of the chief eunuch. God gave him favor. In the eye. Why, why do you think that is? <laughs> because he stayed true to God. Because he held true to his beliefs. Listen, that, that's got to be an encouraging word to all of us. That it doesn't matter who's in office or where we live. That if we stay true to God, God moves on our behalf. Guess what's consistent with Scripture? That if you stay true to God, God moves on your behalf. It's, tr- it's 
true throughout the book. It's true throughout the book. You, you, this is a side note, but did you know in the book of Daniel, Daniel serves five different kings? Five different pagan kings. Three different nations. And because he stayed true to God, did you know he had influence with every one of those kings? <laughs> you want to influence our culture? You can't do it on Facebook. You do it by staying loyal to God, and God will put you in places that you can have influence. That's how you do it. You stay loyal to God. The, the, the chief eunuch's like, man, listen, bro, like, I hear you. And I've got compassion for you guys. He said, but if you guys don't look the way that the king wants you to look, I could die. So basically his answer is like, I don't think so. So what does Daniel do next? He goes to the next guy in charge. <laughs> hey, man. Will you let us eat vegetables and drink water for the next 10 days? Test us. Test us for 10 days. Test us for 10 days. Give us 10 days. Compare us to everybody else. And whatever the results are, we'll let that be that. Right? You good with that? The guy agrees. This is what it says in verse, chapter, uh, in verse 15. At the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier. I, I like another translation. The NASB says better and fatter. Right? <laughs> I like that. Then all the young men who were eating their king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine that they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables. Now let me breathe clear about something, okay? Because people can take the scripture and make it mean whatever they want it to mean. This is not God promoting vegetarianism, okay? And all my meat lovers said, holler at your boy. You know what I mean? Amen, right? God is not saying like, hey, they, they were healthier and fatter because they just ate vegetables and drank water. That's not, like scientifically, let's get into this. You know what I mean? Meat has more caloric value than vegetables do, right? Here's another thing that a lot of people don't know. Alcohol, when you drink alcohol and you eat, your body stops digesting food and focuses on drinking alcohol. A normal-sized meal, this is crazy. I'm, you guys, some of y'all might change your diet plan today. You know what I mean? <laughs> a normal-sized meal, normal-sized portions probably takes two and a half, three hours to digest if you eat normal-sized portions. Normal. That, it's not fun. It's like the size of the palm of your hand. Like, <laughs> not. Mm, don't, I did that once. Don't sign me up again. All right? Normal sized portions take two and a half, three hours to digest. Once you put alcohol in the mix, your body prioritizes alcohol. It's known as an unknown substance, and it takes up to eight hours to digest. So imagine they're eating meat, something thick, more caloric in value. They're drinking wine. The difference between when they drank wine and when the Israelites drank wine is the Israelites diluted it. So it's not just wine. It's like wine. You know what I mean? Like strong stuff. Like knock you down. So if anybody was going to look healthier or fatter, scientifically, it would have been the people that gave into the king's meat and the king's wine. So how does that work? God moved. God moved. The only way that they could have the caloric value for them to look healthier and fatter than everybody else is God providing the nutrition that he needed to give them or that they needed him to give them. Right? So these guys were thicker and they were fatter because God moved, because God steps in on their behalf. So look at that. Like two different moments where they said, listen, we're going to stick to God's ways and we're going to stick to the God 
that, that created everything. And God grants them favor in a time when it looks like they're in direct opposition to the king orders. And even when they go to what they eat, God gives them favor and makes them fatter. Let's go with fatter. Let's, this is a good fat, guys. Like, makes them fatter than everybody else. God steps in. That needs to be the most encouraging thing for all of us in this time period that we live in. I mean, you can look at the world, spend any, time, uh, uh, any amount of time on whatever news source you choose. And it looks like we are going south really fast. But God still moves on, the, on behalf of the people that, that, that pursue him and don't defile themselves. That don't lay aside their convictions. I'm going to ask worship team to come up. That's not how the story ends. It gets better. Everybody turn to neighbor and say, it gets better. It gets better. Verse 17 says, God gave these four men knowledge and understanding. So, oh, so stop right there. Stop right there. God gives them favor with the guard and the chief eunuch. God makes them healthier. And then God does what? He gives them understanding and knowledge in every kind of wisdom and literature, right? Daniel also understood visions and dreams. This is a reminder of Joseph. Joseph, you remember Joseph from the book of Genesis? Joseph is under Pharaoh. And how does he get to become, how does he have influence with Pharaoh? Well, he continued to pursue God while he was in the pit, while he was in Potiphar's house, while he was in the prison. And then all of a sudden, God gives him the ability to interpret dreams. And next thing you know, he's second in command to Pharaoh. Same story, just way earlier in the book. Daniel could also understand visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of the time that the king had said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Notice they use their, their original names. <laughs> I think it's cool. Because they were trying to get those things stripped from them. In other stories, they'll call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But in this one, especially when they're holding faithful to their convictions and holding faithful to their God, he uses their God-given names. So they began to attend the king. In every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and mediums in the kingdom. Listen, <laughs> Daniel is the perfect book for us to navigate where we live, the time period which we live. It is. And I want to be clear about something. Am I saying bury your heads in the sand despite all the political stuff that's going on? No. But I'm also saying don't buy into everything you hear. Don't fight battles that are that'll be irrelevant in four years. I mean, don't put our flag over the over the cross, over the empty tomb. Because the truth is, is no matter who's in the office, they can't give life like Jesus gives life. They can't. They can provide opportunities. We got plenty of opportunities here in America. But the greatest opportunity came because of one man's submission to God, and he came and lived a perfect life and died on a cross that we should have died on. And he came back to life. He said, listen, all you got to do is believe in me 
and you'll have everlasting life. And one thing that's kind of been a conviction in my heart here recently is that everlasting life is not something we're waiting on. You got everlasting life the moment you said yes to Jesus. It's both here and not fully yet. You know what I mean? You are, you are still, you are now, if you've said yes to Jesus, you are now a part of his kingdom that is here and not fully yet. You are not shackled. You are set free. You are not a sinner. You're made righteous. You are not nameless. You have a name. You are not hopeless. You have a hope. And I think that's what they're holding on to. It's like no matter how chaotic, no matter how pagan this nation is, like as long as I've got God, I've got a hope. As long as the culture doesn't look like God, doesn't value what we value, doesn't hold on to what we hold to, listen, I still have a hope. And God still moved. Look, that last text said this. It said that he gave them. God gives gifts. How many of you understand that? Each and every one of you have a gift that God has given you. And it says that he gave them wisdom, understanding. With Daniel, he gives them the understand, the ability to understand dreams and visions. That's going to be used throughout the kings that he serves. So they're not just gifts just to have. They're gifts to make a difference right where you are. It says when the king interviewed them, there was nobody like them. I wonder why that is. Maybe they had somebody working on their behalf. He said when he consulted them, they were 10 times better. Not a little bit. It's, it's monumental. Why? Because they kept God first. They kept God first. You want me to tell you why this has been on my heart? Because this story relates exactly to where we are today. Our culture doesn't value God. And as we progress, it's going to continue not to. But that's why God gave us a church to point people to a hope in times when it may feel hopeless. To point people to life in safety when they may be afraid. You know what I mean? Thinking about it, like our culture doesn't value life. It doesn't. Our culture doesn't value original design, gender, and marriage. It doesn't. Our culture doesn't value people. We get into political offices by slandering the person that we're competing against. And we're called not to bear false witness, right? And our culture's tried to remove God just from just about every part that it can. But what do we learn? That when Daniel was determined to be faithful, God showed up and he blessed him. And he blessed those that decided to stay with him too. And he gifted them and he positioned them to make a difference. So I, the question I got is, how determined are we? Church, it's going to get worse. That's exciting. Come back next week. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Politically, guess what's going to happen? I mean, it's just, it's going that way. So how determined are we to not defile ourselves? How determined are we really to loving our neighbor? Jesus said the whole law is summed up in this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
when we compromise loving our neighbor, sometimes we're defiling ourselves? You know what I mean? Like, how determined, are we more determined in our politics than we are our faith? Are we more determined in our status than we are our king? Are we more determined in our finances than we are our savior? Here's what I believe. I believe that in just, just in, in a time like this, that God is looking for determined, resolute people that will hold true to their faith no matter what's going on, right? Despite what culture looks like, despite who's in office, despite the wars that go on in the world, God is looking for a people that will stand true to him, that will stand true to the king of kings, and he's going to gift them and use them right where they are. That's what he's called the church to be. The reason America should be blessed is because the church is believing in a consistent king of kings that gives life and breathes life. You're supposed to be his image, church. We are. We're supposed to be his image out in the world. If God is loving, the church should be loving. If God is, gives hope, the church should give hope. If God puts design, design for humanity is unity, then the church should be unifying. And I believe that if we will hold true to what we believe, we will hold true to advancing his kingdom, to looking like Jesus out in the world, God will use us and give us positions of influence to point people to him. Isn't that what it's about? Not to build our kingdom, not to build our logo. Listen, it's not even about building our nation. It's about building his kingdom. Here's what I believe. If you stay true to what you believe, it can work. It can work. So, dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for today. God, I thank you that no matter what goes on in our country, no matter what laws are put into place and decisions don't reflect your original design, that you're still good and that you're still moving. God, I thank you that you choose to move through individuals that don't buy into the culture. God, and I pray that you would stir up in our spirit that, they, that that's supposed to be us. That the reason we can look at stories like Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael is because that's, that's us today. God, give us the conviction not to defile ourselves, not to lay aside what we believe. Not to lay aside our hope. God, and if we put our hope in the wrong thing, realign us today. And we love you. It's in your name we pray. Hey, that's the message. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. In fact, if you would like to join us as a part of our online campus and you would like to watch the video as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing week.